All right, guys, welcome into another episode of Rams Edge. I'm your host, Jake Alabogan, and today we'll be doing something fun because it is kind of a dead period in the offseason. Um, you know, you could say there there's news out there, but I mean, it's very much like, all right, this guy thinks that he's going to have a great year. This guy's, you know, getting up at 8 a.m., uh, you know, not quite the the true news that we're normally used It's not quite the true news that we're used to is basically what I'm saying. Uh, Not that, you know, news isn't news, but, you know, and that's a good thing. I mean, I think right around this time last year, we were hearing about Cam Akers and his torn Achilles. Might have been a little bit later, but, you know, no news is actually a good thing when it comes to your favorite team. So figure today we would talk about and hopefully debate about. You guys are more than welcome to come on here and uh, call into the show and give me your thoughts. But um, we're going to discuss the fun question of who is the greatest Ram of all time. And this is not as simple as, it, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm seeing, uh, scoot there, Aaron Donald case closed. Yeah. It, it's not quite that simple because, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, places you can go here. Um, you know, I think obviously offensive linemen, they've had some very, very talented offensive linemen. They probably wouldn't be in the discussion only because, typically speaking, when you're talking about the greatest Rams of all time, the Mount Rushmore, if you will, you're talking about the quarterbacks and the skill position. And, you know, Aaron Donald and Deacon Jones and Merlin Olsen, you're talking about those guys. So that's kind of the thought process there. Now, what I will say in regards to that is that Aaron Donald certainly has a case. Now, is Aaron Donald the greatest uh, Ram ever? I think there's a very, very good case for that. I think there's a case that Kurt Warner is up there. I think there's a case for Bob Waterfield, who won two titles. He's the only Ram quarterback to win two titles. Obviously, Norm Van Brocklin won two, but he won one with the Eagles. So there are definitely some options here. And... With that being said, that's why I think it's an interesting debate because you just don't really, you know, there are different ways you can go. You could say Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson doesn't have the longevity, but Eric Dickerson is very, uh, you know, much well-respected. Is I mean, when people think of the Rams, a lot of people think of Eric Dickerson or even Jack Youngblood. You know, Kevin Green, I'm sure he would have had an argument if uh, if, if he had stayed with the Rams his whole career. But there are definitely plenty of guys. The all-time leader in passing for the Rams is Jim Everett. Um, I don't think he's the greatest Ram ever, but I guess it really depends on, you know, your whole concept of, of greatest. I mean, there to, to in my opinion, if you go from, okay, 98, our backup quarterback, Kurt Warner, is just sitting there being a backup, to 99, now he's winning a Super Bowl, and he's completely turn, you know, changing the tide, turning things around. Then I mean, yeah, I think you have an argument there for Kurt Warner. And you know, Kurt Warner was not there forever. Kurt Warner, I mean, literally won a Super Bowl. He won MVP. He changed the tide of the Rams. You know, let's not forget. I mean, even before I was born, the Rams of the '90s weren't the greatest. 
I mean, it's weird with this franchise because every single decade, they they could have had the worst team in the league, but they always had a good team in each decade. And so looking at that, I'm thinking, okay, well, you got, you know, the 40s, you have 45, the, the championship, Bob Waterfield won. You have 51 championship, Bob Waterfield won while platooning at quarterback with Norm Van Brocklin. And then you have the, the 60s, which everyone knows is the fearsome foursome era. 70s, the Rams were good. The 80s, the Rams were good. The 90s, the Rams were terrible. But at the end of the 90s, they won the Super Bowl. So the Rams in every single decade have gotten good play. And, you know, I think Waterfield obviously being a Hall of Famer and Van Brocklin obviously being a Hall of Famer, I don't think it's quite as simple as just saying one player. I guess really it just, ha- we have to know, like, what is what is your definition of, of greatest? Is it the best player? Like, the best overall talent? The best production? Does, you know, at any point, do, do you care about longevity? Because Aaron Donald right now is 30, you know, and, and you have, you know, a guy by the name of Jackie Slater who played 20 years with the Rams. Does that hold for anything? And I think that's really the question we have to ask when we're, when we're discussing who the greatest Ram of all time is. Because I don't think it's as simple as that. Isaac Bruce retired as the second leader in receiving all time. Only behind Jerry Rice, who has probably the most unbreakable records in sports, aside from maybe, I would say, him and Wayne Gretzky in hockey. That's what we're looking at. That's the thing. So it's incredibly interesting, and this debate could go on and on and on, because you know you have Aaron Donald, you have Marshall Falk, you have Kurt Warner, you have Eric Dickerson, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. I mean, you have all sorts of guys. Tom Fierce, Hall of Famer. So the greatest Ram of all time, at least for me, I'm going to say until things change and Aaron Donald wins another ring, I'm going to say the greatest Ram of all time was Kurt Warner. And and here's why I'm going to say that. And I understand people might disagree, but here's my, my argument. And I'm willing to hear yours. Feel free to call in. Uh, just hit the icon below. But I'm going to say Kurt Warner, and here's why. I think Aaron Donald's very close. But with Kurt Warner, he came to a situation that was as bad as anything. I mean, we love Dick Vermeil, but Dick Vermeil had a losing record. They had just spent a second-round pick on Tony Banks, and it failed miserably. They went and got Trent Green. They built a good roster. Trent Green goes down in preseason. And he's out for the year. If Kurt Warner does not come in and play the way he does, they don't win a Super Bowl. And they only had, they have four championships now. They only had two championships. They had never won a Super Bowl before. So up until this year, Kurt Warner led them to their only Super Bowl win, of course. They did go to a Super Bowl in 79 and lose to the Steelers. That team was crazy, 9-7 and team. You get my point. So I understand it's different and Warner doesn't have the longevity, but that's not to, you know, that's not his fault. 
the Rams moved on from him. They were in such a hurry to move Mark Bolger into the scene, and that didn't work out. But that just proves my point. Look at what the Browns are going through right now. Not not about Deshaun Watson, whether he'll ever play, but look at how many starting quarterbacks they've gone through. It took like 28 or whatever just to get to the playoffs. Quarterbacks are a rarity in the league and a rarity at the level Warner was playing. And to come in, essentially your first year ever starting, when you were obviously going to be the backup, and the offensive coordinator didn't even want you, to come in and run the offense as perfect as you did and win a Super Bowl the year that the big ticket item, Trent Green, who they got in free agency, the the year they get Trent Green and he goes down in the preseason, you're thinking your season's over and Warner's thinking, nope, we're going to win the Super Bowl. And that's what they did. Year after, Warner gets hurt. They lose in the wild card. Year after that, they're back in the Super Bowl and they lose to the Patriots on a game-winning field goal. And there's all sorts of, we can get into all that, the, you know, the different layers of what happened, obviously, with Spygate and all of that. But the point is, Warner in, two, in three years, Warner led the Rams to two Super Bowls and won one of them. He was the best quarterback in the league at one point, And the Rams let him go. That doesn't make him not the greatest Ram, in my opinion. Because after that, they would go on to not ever come close to that until Sean McVay came to the Rams. Think about that for a second. Mark Bolger, yeah, you know, at this point, Marshall Falk was kind of going downhill, uh, was getting older. But they had Isaac Bruce. They had Holt. They go out, they get Kevin Curtis. Those three were very good, very good tandem there. They get Steven Jackson in the draft. Jackson was fantastic. But that team, at any point, that team did not come close to what Warner did his first year and his third year as the Rams starter. Or his second year. I mean, you could argue they lost in the wild card against the Saints. You could argue, I mean, obviously, Bulger, you know, they, they won a wild card game against Seattle. But the Rams, after Bulger, the Rams, when Bulger went down, they couldn't find anybody like Warner. I remember in 2014 when Austin Davis, a quarterback who was pretty much bouncing off their practice squad onto the Dolphins, bouncing off theirs onto the Dolphins and so forth. That team, they go out and they get Austin Davis. And now all of a sudden, oh my, Austin Davis is actually fun to watch. I'm having fun watching the Rams throw the ball down the field again. So this is why. It's a continuation. What Warner did for the Rams and then what the Rams were unable to do after Warner really proves my point. It wasn't until the 2021-2022 season when the Rams decided right before the season, or way before the season, to trade for Matthew Stafford that the Rams actually were able to match what Warner did with the Rams' first year. They got to the Super Bowl and lost with Jerry Goff. They finally won it with Matthew Stafford. I mean, it also begs the question, what does Matthew Stafford have to do to be considered maybe the greatest Ram of all time? But, I mean, at the same time, Aaron Donald is very much, if not number two, he's number three. He's in the top three. And I think 
as great as a lot of these guys are, Merlin Olsen is fantastic. But the thing about Merlin Olsen is that Olsen did not win a ring. And Aaron Donald has one. Matthew Stafford has one. Kurt Warner has one. Bob Waterfield has two. So I think, well, Waterfield, and I, I get it all the time, well, Waterfield threw more interceptions than touchdowns. Why would you even mention him? Well, Waterfield, times were different back then. Waterfield scored a ton of points because he wasn't just the quarterback. He was also the kicker and the punter. So, I mean, he also scored points with his leg. And that's another thing. Times were different back then. You see Taysom Hill now, and he's kind of a novelty. Back then, he was the Taysom Hill. He's like if Taysom Hill played in the 40s. Waterfield was literally one yard away from winning, from having three championships. It's it's guys like that where you're like, okay, I didn't watch them play back then, but you got to give the guy his due. But then at the same time, you're watching Aaron Donald now, and you're like, how can he not be the greatest Ram of all time if he might actually be the greatest player of all time? Because I've never seen anyone as dominant as him. But it's also about value. You know, Aaron Donald is fantastic. Aaron Donald has been unbelievable. But up until this year, Aaron Donald had not won a ring. And up until Sean McVay got there, having Aaron Donald was not actually resulting in going to playoffs. Because they weren't. They didn't go to the playoffs until Sean McVay got there in 2017. Aaron Donald was drafted in 2014. So they weren't even close to that. But, I mean, I guess it really depends, you know. And the hope is Aaron Donald is going to continue to play. And he doesn't retire early. Because to me, Aaron Donald will end up being the greatest Ram of all time. He will. Just the, the, the you know, the trajectory he is on. He definitely will. But I'm thinking that Kurt Warner right now, to me, is the greatest Ram of all time because they do not have a Super Bowl up until this year. They do not have a Super Bowl without him. They have NFL titles. They did not have a Super Bowl without him. And that's that's the big thing. It's one of the greatest stories in the history of the sport, of any sport for that matter. It's why... You know, everyone said, oh, it's so good. It's like made for Hollywood. That's why, of course, Hollywood took it and Lionsgate had a film done, the American underdog, about it. It's that great. But it's not just the story. It's not just like when Doug Williams won, you know, he was the first ever um, black quarterback to win a Super Bowl with the, at the time, Washington Redskins. Like, that was great. And Doug Williams is a very good quarterback. But he was on the level of Warner. It wasn't just like a feel-good moment. Like when Nick Foles won the Super Bowl for the Eagles. Like Nick Foles was good in that game. But Nick Foles is a Hall of Famer. The whole point of that Super Bowl win was showing you that Kurt Warner is not just a guy. It wasn't just a feel-good story. Kurt Warner was actually that guy all along. And it's honestly kind of a reminder that there are guys in this league that don't get an opportunity and could be that. But we don't know because the way you look at the young quarterback ecosystem in the NFL, the way that is, you don't always find these guys. The Browns still have not found their guy. They found Baker Mayfield 
Mayfield brings him back to the playoffs for the first time in years, and now they couldn't they could not wait to get rid of him. We could talk what we will about Baker Mayfield and critique him, but that tells you a lot. There are teams that cannot find their starting quarterback. The Lions had Stafford for years and were not able to do anything with him. So it's not just the organization's fault or the quarterback's fault. Sometimes they go hand in hand. But, I mean, it's just really hard. And so for, for you know, Kurt Warner to come in there and play the way he did, it's just, to me, he's the greatest Ram as of now. And I would honestly make the argument for Marshall Falk because what isn't talked about, Eric Dickerson was fantastic. But if Eric Dickerson had stuck around, and don't get me wrong, the Rams treated him like crap. So I'm not hating on Dickerson. But if Eric Dickerson did stick around, and despite all the crap the Rams were giving him, if he just stuck around, it was like, you know what? I just want to win a ring. I think he, and when they went out and got Jim Everett, obviously he ended up being the Rams' all-time leading passer. I think he and Everett probably could have won a Super Bowl. But when he was just that quickly, like he just wanted to get out of there, Greg Bell was really good, but Greg Bell wasn't Dickerson. That was really the... Like, that's why I wouldn't say Dickerson is the all-time Ram. And he was fantastic. But I think that's the one thing that's holding him back. Whereas the opposite. The opposite happened with Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk was disgruntled with the Colts. They would not help him out. He had to get to X amount of yards his last year for that contract bonus, which he really wanted. And the Colts... The Rams actually do this all the time. Robert Woods didn't get to the contract bonus, I believe, in 2019 or 2020. And uh, the Rams actually paid it out to him anyway. Good teams do that. Good organizations. They scratch the back of the player. The player scratches their back. You know, all of that. Well, the Colts and Marshall Falk got into a little bit of a disagreement because of this. He missed it by a couple of yards. They didn't even let him play the last game. It was bad. And he knew he needed out. And he loved Peyton Manning. He loved playing with him, but he knew he needed to go out of here. So then the Rams, the Rams go out and they trade for Marshall Falk. And it was like, don't get me wrong. It was like the perfect storm. You know, you already had Isaac Bruce who was there, was, you know, drafted in 95 or or 94. You had, you know, Bruce, you get Holt, you know, you, you get Marshall Falk. I mean, it was the perfect storm, but. Marshall Falk was like having a quarterback, a true extension of the coaching staff. He was like having a quarterback on your roster. There had never been a running back that had been that great of a route runner, but also the combination of him being able to work in pass protection. So that's the thing there. Marshall Falk all around definitely deserves to be in the conversation because without him, they don't win the Super Bowl, I don't think. Like, he was just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And I think he's maybe the most underrated running back because when you talk about all-time greats, his name doesn't come up the way, you know, obviously Barry Sanders comes up. You know, obviously Walter Payton, Eric Dickerson, Emmett Smith. But Marshall Falk does not come up as much as he should. And before you had... Running backs like LaDainian Tomlinson, 
Marshall Falk was the one that was, you know, he basically took guys like Larry Shanka and, and his ability as a receiver, and he took it to a whole other level. He had a 1,000 yards as a receiver playing running back. So let's not forget about that. So in that conclusion, I do feel like Marshall Falk, while probably wouldn't be the main choice for a lot of people, totally deserves to be in the conversation. I think Isaac Bruce does as well, because Isaac Bruce basically, you know, playing the wide receiver spot, you're kind of at the mercy of the quarterback. And I feel like Isaac Bruce and what he did, you know, in 95, is just absolutely insane. To have 1738, 1,738 yards receiving, I, I mean, he had nobody. He did not have Warner. He didn't get Warner until four years later. And on top of that, yeah, he played with Henry Ellard, I believe, for a little bit, but I don't even, I actually don't even think he played with him that long. Um, and then after he was gone, it was like, who does he have? Eddie Kennison? I mean, that's the thing. It's another thing that goes for the Hall of Fame, right? Because when, when you hear about the Hall of Fame and why, you know, the greatest show on turf shouldn't get in, oh, well, Isaac Bruce played with Torrey Holt, or, well, Torrey Holt played with Isaac Bruce. I mean, that's great and all, but, you know, that's not stopping you from putting in, you know, Randy Moss and, you know, Randy, Mar- Randy Moss played with Chris Carter, <laughs> you know. Jerry Rice played with Tim Brown. Jerry Rice, you know, Terrell Owens. I mean, I'm not a fan of, of using that argument because I feel like it's a, a, a weak argument, if you will. But, yeah, you guys let me know in the comment section. I know uh, Scoot has uh, Aaron Donald case closed. But you also have the laughing emoji. So that tells me, I mean, you, you might believe Aaron Donald is, but, you know, it's more so. You're kind of joking in a sense. Maybe you're not. I don't know. But I think it's interesting. And I think it's interesting because I love Rams history. And I love football history. And I, I, I'm i the first one to say I don't think that the NFL history has been preserved. Well, not just NFL. But football history in general hasn't been preserved at the level that baseball preserves their history. And, I mean, I can tell you that because, well... It's like any time there's a record being broken in a single game during the MLB season, they point to a guy that played in the 1800s. But with football, they don't even talk about those guys. They rarely talk about the guys post or pre-Super Bowl merger. So the the merger with the AFL was in the 70s, uh, actually 1970 to be exact. And essentially, they don't even really talk about it if it was before it gets mentioned every now and then but i mean all you need to know is that this league doesn't even take super bowls seriously or not super bowls nfl championships before the the super bowl nfl championships don't count towards super bowls which i I don't understand why but they don't i mean that's like not counting the World Series titles before 1940 or whatever, the Yankees would be missing like five to eight of them. So, yeah, it's just, that's why I I really wanted to, to do something like this. And also, there's not, again, there's just not a lot to talk about right now 
among the NFL. The Rams didn't draft a Brees Hall at running back where we're getting tons of coverage on and, oh, he sounds like he's going to be the starter. Uh, the Rams didn't draft the rookie quarterback. They got Matthew Stafford. The Rams were coming off a Super Bowl win, so it's not like, ooh, like, you know, like everyone knows they're very good. So it's just, it's one of those things where there's just not a lot to talk about right now. So I figured this would be a good time to bring up, you know, a topic like this. Um, because I did see it being talked about the other day, who was the greatest Ram. And I think a lot of people are pretty much, you know, they're fine saying it's Aaron Donald. And I think I'm at the point where I'll say it's Kurt Warner, but I'm not going to argue against an Aaron Donald answer, if that makes sense. Like, if you think it's Aaron Donald, I think the evidence is there to support that. I do. Um, One more ring, and I, I don't really even see it being much of a discussion. I think that would really put him over the top. I think that's really, again, the biggest issue with, I mean, when you really look at it, that's really the biggest issue when it comes to the fearsome foursome Rams is that they, they could not get it done. They had Roman Gabriel. They had Deacon Jones and Merlin Olsen. They had Coy Bacon. They had Rosie Greer, Lamar Lundy. They had a defensive line that had a nickname in the 60s. That's known by a lot of people, even people that does, they don't even watch football. And with all that talent, they did not win one ring. Not one. And that's that's a big thing. Merlin Olsen has like a ridiculous... I think he went to the Pro Bowl like 13 times, maybe even more than that. It was crazy. He was unbelievable. I mean, that's the thing. And 14 times. I was off by one. But five-time All-Pro, Hall of Famer. They didn't really count sacks until, I believe, 82. So he's got 91 sacks unofficial. Um, according to, yeah, 1982 was the, the year it was official. So according to pro football reference, he's got 91 unofficial <clears throat> sacks and he played from age 22 to age 36. So through 62 to 76. And then when you look at Aaron Donald, he's getting up there, folks. He's almost at the uh, the triple digit mark. He's got 98 sacks for his career. And he's played from age 23 to 30. So Merlin Olsen, Merlin Olsen has played, he played 14 years in the NFL around that. I mean, he basically... He played 15 years. He made the Pro Bowl every single season except for his last season. At age 36. Aaron Donald is actually following the same path. And through eight years, Aaron Donald has made the Pro Bowl in every single season. So he already, and keep in mind, they're different. Merlin Olsen is more of a true defensive tackle where Aaron Donald is like, he's almost, he's like, you compare him to like edge defenders essentially because of how good he is. He already has more sacks than Merlin Olsen. Of course, keep in mind that was unofficial. Um, 
Um, Eric Dickerson, purplepundit.com asked. Um, I think Eric Dickerson is in the discussion. My only issue with Dickerson, this is literally my only issue with him, is that I think he was getting to a point where if he had stayed, and again, I understand the Rams lowballed him. They did not treat him well. They didn't treat a lot of their players well. But when they went out and they got Jim Everett, that was the moment. Like, okay, we got a top-flight quarterback, and we have Eric Dickerson. We got a good defense. We can win with this team. We can win it all. And, you know, in, in 87, he plays to the Rams, and he plays to the Colts because he forced his way out. And I believe it's on Halloween, actually. My biggest issue with that is that the Rams that year, they were 10-6 and six the year prior, okay? They lose in the wild card to the Redskins 19-7, to seven. okay? So they're 10-6 they're, uh, and six the year before. They were 11-5. and five. So this is a team in 85 with Dieter Brock. They lose to the 85 Bears to go to the Super Bowl. They get rid of Dieter Brock. And they get Jim Everett in 86. And that's the moment where they're like, all right, we might finally have, we might finally have a quarterback. No knock on Dieter Brock. He's a friend of my show. I think he was kind of given an unfair treatment for the, uh, the 24, nothing. I mean, he went up against the night, the 85 bears. So I don't know what you were expecting, but, uh, the next year they get, um, they get Jim Everett. And they go 10 and 6, and they lose to the Redskins first year with Everett 10 and 6. This next year in 87, Dickerson wants out, and they have Charles White, so he ends up being the guy, but they go 9 and 6, or 6 and 9. I cannot tell you because I don't know for sure. I was not in the locker room, and I wasn't even born yet. But I can say that the way things work in football or any team sport, Losing your best player like that disrupts the flow. And losing Eric Dickerson in 87, having him force his way out via trade. Again, I understand I understand they trade they basically treated him like crap. I get that. But they go six and nine in eighty-seven in Jim Everett's second year. Jim Everett has an off year. He only played 11 games. It's just not a good year. The next year in 88, they go 10 and 6, and they lose in the wild card to the Vikings. Greg Bell, good running back, not Eric Dickerson level. That was what they were missing. I mean, Jim Everett puts together another good, valiant effort in 88. Then 89, they're 11 and 5, and they lose the conference championship to the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. 11-5 Rams. Everett has a monstrous season. And the running back, again, Greg Bell was good, very good, but he's not Eric Dickerson. So that is my argument, is that I think they were coming together as a team, and I think they had figured it out. They had cracked the code. And if Eric Dickerson stays with that team and doesn't force his way out, Jim Everett is now there there's a good chance that they win a Super Bowl, at least one of those seasons in the 87, 88, or 89. 
And I think he disrupted. And again, I get it, but I think he disrupted the flow. And so I, I, because of that, I don't think I would call him the greatest Ram of all time. And then, of course, as we know, this is, for those of you who missed it, I was saying Warner because, well, we get to 1990 and Cleveland Gary is the running back. And, I mean, he had 14 touchdowns, but barely over 800 yards. They go 5-11 and 11 with Jim Everett. 91, Jim Everett, another down year. And they go 3-13. and 13. John Robinson, Jeff Fisher was actually a defensive coordinator. Fun fact. John Robinson fired. They get Chuck Knox, 6-10. and 10, Jim Everett, better year, not the best. Gary had a solid season. Then again, 5-11-93 with Chuck Knox. They get Jerome Bettis, whatever reason they decide to trade him. Um, Everett was basically... Splitting the season, I mean, he only played nine games, started nine games. TJ Rubley started the other games. The 94, they go 4-12 and 12 with Chuck Knox. Jerome Bettis is traded after this season. Chris Miller and Chris Chandler are the quarterbacks. Tommy Maddox was also on the roster. 95, Rich Brooks takes over. Chris Miller, Mark Ripien. And that's the year they get Isaac Bruce, 1,781 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns. What an incredible season for him. But then after that, 6-10, 5-11, 4-12, 13-3, the year Warner starts. So that's, to me, why Warner, because as great as Jim Everett was and why they really needed him, Kurt Warner just added on to that like 13 and three the year Warner took over I mean then you have you know 2000 they go 10 and six in an off season where they lose the wild card game to the Saints by three Hakeem uh Asahir Hakeem drops the uh the punt and that's that 2001 they go back to the Super Bowl at 14 and two and then seven and nine the Rams go the year Warner Plays six games, and he's done. So they go 12-4 and four with Bulger, and they lose in the divisional round to the Panthers. 2004, they lose by 30 to the Falcons in the divisional round. They win a wild card game. 8-8. Eight and eight. Next year, 6-10. and ten. Next year, 8-8. Eight and eight. Next year, 13-13. Uh, Next year, two and fourteen, one and fifteen, seven and nine, two and fourteen, seven, eight and one, seven and nine, six and ten, seven and nine, four and twelve, and then McVay comes and they're eleven and five, and they go back to the playoffs for the first time uh, since the Bulger era. But that's the thing: is that with Warner, they were great. There was greatness. There was elite, upper echelon. With Bulger, they went down to really good, maybe good. And then without, you know, either of them, they were horrendous. Elroy Hirsch is a good one. Um, He's not the all-time leader in, you know, receiving yards for the Rams. But Hirsch has one of the greatest seasons in the history of the league. I mean, it's one of the most dominant receiving seasons you'll ever see. Um, 
and it's in 51. Actually, it's in 50, I believe, the year they win or, or the year they lost in the uh, the championship game. Because the thing that people don't understand with Elroy Hirsch is that he helped the Rams in more than just one way. Like, he was fantastic as a player, Hall of Famer, obviously. Um, in 51, he it actually was 51. I was right initially. 66 receptions, one of uh, 1,495 yards and 17 touchdowns. He led receivers in every single category. He averaged 124.6 yards per game and only played 12 games. They won the the championship that year. Hirsch had over 7,000 receiving yards and he had 60 touchdowns. His first career yards per reception average was 18.2. He played nine years with the Rams. And then after that, he went into the front office and helped draft Deacon Jones and he helped draft Roman Gabriel. So in that indirect way, um, you could say Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch has the argument there. Deacon Jones absolutely revolutionized the defensive end position. Um, Typically speaking, you'd probably go more towards Merlin Olsen if you were going with the fearsome foursome because Merlin Olsen had the longevity, was probably the better all-around player, whereas Deacon Jones was a better pass rusher. But that's definitely an interesting one there. But yeah, I mean, we talked for for a bit about all that. Um, You know, kind of wrapping it up, does anyone have any final thoughts? Because purplepundit.com, I appreciate you uh, giving your thoughts. Scoot, appreciate you giving your thoughts. Yeah, Olsen was monstrous. Olsen was absolutely monstrous. I will say, I think think you could have argued, I mean, you know, it didn't end up happening, but if uh, London Fletcher stayed with the Rams for years, London Fletcher could have been an option. He was fantastic. And, you know, when I had Tommy Pauly on my show, uh, he flat out said, you know, the Rams weren't the same without London Fletcher. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. But... All right, folks. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, you know, you can always listen to the replay of this that will post uh, shortly after um, that this ends. And if you missed the beginning, but in conclusion, I think Kurt Warner is the greatest Ram of all time. And I think Aaron Donald is on a fast track to pass him at some point. And I think at some point, I guess I'll make this prediction. Aaron Donald will have a statue right outside of SoFi Stadium. And it'll probably be him pointing to his finger, his ring finger, that he wants the uh, the ring after they won the Super Bowl. But that's all I got, folks. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, you can follow me at JK Bogan. Before you head on out of here, be sure to subscribe to Rams Edge. Uh, be sure to uh, click on my profile as well. Give me a follow. I will follow back. And uh, that's going to do it. Till next time.
I'm Jake Ellenbogen. This has been Rams Edge, and you guys have a great rest of your day.